all the time. People on the internet. Why nobody read the book? How are you? Is everything is everything okay? Is everything going to be okay? Um, is this a show? This is, I guess. I mean, as oh. much whatever. Sure. Yes. Hi. Mm. How's everything you know, uh, up there? San Francisco. Back home. Finally back, back home. home. Back in black. Back where you belong. Ping pong. You know, um, hmm. <laughs> How's that other show going? The one you do, the other one. Which one? I'm not sure the name of it. Oh, you know what? I'm not familiar with this work. Oh, it's going great guns. Great good, guns. Good, good, good. Do you want me to suggest an episode to start it's with? It's about time that thing is uh, picking up some steam. Yes. it Steam is what it needs. <laughs> It's and it's funny because steampunk is what we end up talking about a lot. Is it? Oh gosh, yes. Uh, submarines, steampunk pencils, hmm. uh, steampunk scotch tape. That was a three episode arc. <laughs> it's got uh, it's got superfluous uh, tubes on it. Wow! And wow. brass. It's got brass and fittings, and you have to use goggles to use it. Hmm. Hmm. You know what ladies love? Goggles. Protective goggling. Do you know much about steampunk? I know a little. Okay. I, just a couple quick questions. Uh, the, the main one, why do they need goggles so much? Is, there, is it because of the steam or because of the punk? <laughs> I think it's the, the, the concussive force of the steam and the heated, the heated vapor. They want to protect. Oh, okay. And so that could cause ocular injury. So why mm-hmm. would you have brass goggles? It seems like those would heat right up like a trumpet. Are they brass? I don't. I think that's all. That's sh- the only material they have to to. Yes, to, they they have know, brass. Form, form well, I think to be uh, they call it being in period, mm. <laughs> and I think everything has to be brass or steam <laughs> or a duster, like one of those big big jackets that that people wear that thinks it makes it look like like they're in the Matrix. Mm. 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 Um, I am. Uh, I am, first of all, yes. The the all the shows. Gosh, Dan, the shows are going great. And and by the way, I want to talk to you about that thing because I think I'm ready to do the thing. Oh, good. Finally, God, Dan, who did the thing? Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> man. It's yeah. just a, for laughs. <laughs> I've got it so cash. I used to say that to him, and 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 he would love it. And now, if I say it, he's like, I hate that. That's all he says. Is just I hate that. See, I've said it so much. I said it to him 10, 15 times a day. Give, give me, the, give me the exact quote or the soundboard. Hit me with the soundboard or give me the exact quote. He, he, says, uh, he says, hey, man, be cool. <laughs> it's just a prank, man, for laughs. <laughs> prank. <laughs> <laughs> Those butt falls out. Um, my daughter loves to quote that line. Anyway, um, back in the stack in Black. Oh yeah, the thing. The you know what? Thing? Let's call it Project Dog Buns. <laughs> All right, let's do it. I've talked to a variety of people about Project Dog Buns. I've lined up some potential guests. Nice. And I'm very interested. I am I so into this. Because here's the thing. Ask yourself this: What does the world need? Answer: A podcast about comics. I know. So I think Ungainly X Man is going to happen. But here's the problem. So first of all, yes. C. Everything is going great. A, don't understand steampunk. B, I'm suffering a little bit. Mm. I don't want to make a big deal about it. I don't want. I don't want to waste our listeners' time, given that our nominal topic is meetings. Mm-hmm. But I'm suffering. How are you? How are you suffering? Do you remember my my uh, my pinched nerve? 
Oh my gosh, yeah, that isn't that hasn't cleared up. Well, it went away, and I think it's come back, and I think it might not be a pinched nerve, and I'm a little worried. Okay, wait a minute. Well, I can I give you my symptoms, and you tell me what you think. You you went to medical school. Well, you, well, you, well, you went to medical school in Florida. <laughs> you know, and really going to any college <laughs> in Florida, even for a year, you get a medical degree. You just, that's a, just that's hand those. They hand Florida them out. Medical. Yeah, that's right. You learn you learn basic urology, uh, amesis, uh, HMO, uh, really everything that you need in right. order to pretend you become, become an oncologist. Um, all right, so so here's the way it presents. I've got a the primary feature of this is a sharp pain just to the right of my right shoulder blade. Then I feel another pretty sharp pain on my tricep near. Uh, on the same side, uh, and this is this is the problem. I, I I've got an ulnar pain near my elbow, and sometimes I can't feel my ring finger and my pinky on my right hand. So you know what that sounds like. Sounds like the big one. Mm-hmm. I think I might have Syracuse disease. I think I might. I think I might have. I'm. I don't even want to. I'm just. I, I. You know. I don't even want to say the acronym. So I'm just going to say it rhymes with bar s cry. I think I, might, I may have an RSI thing. Hmm. Now I thought I was covered, but According it seems I still think this yeah. it, an RSI thing, and you're thinking that it's starting in your in your shoulder blade, mm-hmm. and working. I don't know where it's starting. That's I, not the it's way that, down your that, arm and then into your fingers. Well, mm, I yes. think this is a neck. Does your how's your neck? My neck is pretty good. My neck is pretty good. Now, in the past, I'm pretty sure I've gotten this. I know I've gotten really bad. You know what? That pinched nerve might have been a neck uh, from having a heavy backpack all the time, mm. or especially one of those godforsaken messenger bags that baristas and bad people wear all the time. Mm-hmm. And and so I had to stop doing that because because you know I used to carry around the 17 inch uh, MacBook in one of those. Oh yeah. Plus all my uh, my Dungeon Master's Guide and mm-hmm. my Ralph Martha figures, as as you do in mm-hmm. your early forties. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I used to walk around downtown with that, and then I come home and have excruciating pain at night. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing: just to answer your question, I don't know where it starts. All I know is that it's in numerous places. Um, now I followed John Syracuse's advice and got a flu shot, which, according to him, right. should mean I don't get pinched nerves. You won't get pinched nerves. You won't catch a cold. You won't um, have a uh, urinary tract infection. Migraines. Nothing. Dropsy. Mm-hmm. Any upper respiratory infections are, you're totally free of those. That's all you he's, need is a flu he shot. Says, you he get says that. You, you literally can't do it. Simcoe has a chart about this. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, I'm not a physician like you, but I... Uh, it's not, I I'm not a physician. I just care about people's health. You just play one on podcasts. Right. I went and I used a, uh, a, a internet search engine, as you do, to yeah. go and find out what it would be. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, and that and never way, points to to cancer. Uh, here's the thing: you will always end. With, you will find a way to make it cancer. I think I, I can find a way to make anything cancer. Right. <laughs> well, well, so can WebMD. <laughs> You're gonna live strong, site. Oh yeah, yeah. I do you know, know you know, you know, you know. I didn't know when that became an SEO site. Yeah, but it 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 definitely shows up in those kinds of searches, doesn't it? Let me see if this trick still works. Uh, first of all, hey, just a tips and tricks for the kids. Did you know, kids, I know you know this, Dan, because you're a physician, that you can go to a site, or excuse me, you can go to uh, the uh, internet search engine Google, 
and enter in site colon and then the name of a domain, mm-hmm. and it will show you the pages for that domain. Yeah, it'll, it'll limit the search yeah. to yeah, exactly. I, I used it this morning. Great tool. So if site colon livestrong.com, mm-hmm. and of course this is, you know, it, it may not Do you have to put the site colon before or after the search or does it matter? Because I always thought it had to be after. I guess they've improved. Well, I'm not a physician, but I am superstitious. <laughs> okay. And so um, this is what they call it the screaming Jay Hawkins technique. I go in and I always put that. <laughs> or, or the frenzy technique. Either one works. The Scarlet Witch. I literally, literally put a spell on you. Um <laughs> I'm not going to talk about Hitler. Site colon livestrong.com. And you know, this is, a, this is a swag, but in 0.13 seconds, Google found 4,630,000 pages. And some wow. of them, you know, about half of them are, this is a page. That's, you know, it's like, <laughs> here, here are more pages, four pages. Would you like to see a gallery of pages? Livestrong. Never liked that guy. So, oh, you mean Lance? You know, Mm, I heard a statistic recently that, that does not ring true with me. And I, I may have mentioned this, but supposedly they said, um, turns out one third of people have gone to the internet to try and find uh, their health problems. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I do that. I do that like six times a day. Literally half of my day is trying to figure out what's wrong with me via the internet. So anyway, I went in and I, you know what? I was not focused on cancer. I was focused on sharp pain and I went in with a clear eye and I'm pretty sure I might have an ulnar issue. Ulnar. So, ulnar. Is this different from your bursitis? <laughs> um, I, um, <laughs> my pills. Oh. I mean, you are. Each time I talk to you, you're older. Think about it like that. <laughs> oh, they're, they're everywhere. They were, or, they were in a certain order. I, the box is broken. Okay. Um, so I need to research this. I probably need to get another flu shot. I should talk to John. I mean, you can not, d- you can double up on those. You just go to the different Walgreens each you week. You double up, you double down. You go you go to different places. That's how you can get more uh, more ephedrine too. The way that now, he explained you show a driver's it, license now, and that's that's a goddamn shame, Dan. Yeah, yeah. Well, the way he explained it is, and I mean, this makes perfect sense. If if I get a one flu shot, I won't get the cold. <clears throat> My bursitis will reduce. <laughs> I won't. Makes. I certainly won't get any of the flus. Why not get two flu shots? Why not get three? I see. It's belts and a medical suspension. Yeah. That's good. Huh. You know, I should do that. But, you know, isn't it also one of those things like flipping a coin? Maybe you should do, always do like an odd number. Maybe you should get three shots. We should talk to him because obviously he he's a very smart guy. He, He codes in Pearl and he must, he must have more solutions that he can share with this. And I know... I don't think we're talking out of school here. You know, he's got the RSI pretty bad. Yeah, he does. And he, he has talks to his computer. Yeah, he's he got to the point where he has to limit and restrict himself to using the computer keyboard a certain number of hours a day and he doesn't go over it. So like when he starts writing his uh his review of Mac OS, the latest version of OS ten or whatever version uh the next one is called, he he cannot actually type it. He has to talk into dragon dictation or whatever it is. Right. In order and to... Which is, which is actually seriously, honestly, like, like a, a bummer, but also an, an amazing thing that he produces something so great just by well, talking. And, to... and now Apple has announced a yearly update to the OS. So he now has to write one of those a year. So he's pretty much just imagine that after a full day of work, he's now going into a room at home and just talking into a microphone, into his computer. Literally, to, literally yeah. all day. Yeah. He's, he's either waiting for WWDC tickets he's not going to get. Right. Or he's talking to his... Dan, I, I know in the Mythical Man Month, as you know, 
was it Brooks, says there's no such thing as a silver bullet, but I may have a silver bullet for this. It is at least a bronze steampunk bullet that I would like to put out there. Maybe, maybe John Syracuse should find a way to work in some kind of a development language where you don't have to type 15,000 characters to do a find and replace. You're referring to Pearl. Is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah. I probably forgot to escape the P. Mm-hmm. I don't... <laughs> So that's where I am. And you know what? I'm not going to make a big deal about it. I'm doing stretches. The stretches do nothing. The stretches do nothing. I'm in the shower. Wait a minute. Where did you hear that you should do stretches? Internet. Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we've got insurance and stuff. And I just, I hate going to the doctor. Doctors are very suspicious of me and I'm suspicious of them. And that's no way to have a relationship. You know, ever ever since I was pegged for drug-seeking behavior before I found the right shrink, I've gotten very. I'm you were very, pe- you were you were legitimately pegged for that. I told you this story in E in E two E three. I went oh, in there. Yeah, okay, that rings a bell. E two. Yeah, yeah. I went into this to, to to this person who had been randomly assigned to me by our, our uh, as you as you learn in medical school the HMO, and I went in there and I was like, "Hi, here's like the fourteen legitimate reasons why I am pretty positive I have ADD," mm. and she actually did say, "Well, you know." Maybe, maybe other things you do, like maybe, because it's Andre Kudrescu. <laughs> All the time, people on the internet, why nobody read the book? <laughs> Andre Kudrescu. Um, so that's good. I will, uh, you know what, Dan, I'm not, you know me, I don't make a big deal out of things. I'm going to do my stretches, which do nothing. Today in the shower, I turned it on hot and pounding. You ever put on the hot and pounding? We have a. Oh, we have we, a I don't have that option anymore, but I know oh, Dan, exactly what you're and talking about. And I, you know how I live in fear of the EOL. Mm-hmm. You know, there's certain products like my hair product. I've got like an eighth of an inch of hair product left. It's already been EOL'd. So in this case, there's a certain kind. I'm not going to say because I don't want to run on water picks. But I went out and I actually bought three of this one kind of water pick shower head because everything else is a literal lie. Mm. So the setting number two, going from the right to the left, I usually like a nice, you know, spray. But sometimes I'll put it on pounding. Mm-hmm. I put it right on the source of the injury. And I did this really, really humiliating stretch in the shower this morning because I bathed. And uh, anyway, I'm feeling better just talking about it. I think part of it is the setup. I don't know. I, I've mentioned my office a little bit. This um, short of what they used to call a Gitmo stress position, there's literally no way that my setup could be less ergonomic. I mean, maybe if I, if I had like a bowling ball like around my neck, that might make it worse. But I think I'm going to need to get one of those uh, fruity-looking things for my arm. Well, you know? I, I feel like maybe your self-diagnosis might be wrong. Really? Tell me more, doctor. Well, I, <clears throat> what do you what do you recommend? Do you, uh, heat, ice? Do I do I get some soup? Uh, I don't know. I just okay. I feel like you've picked <sighs> something that could be the potential problem, and yeah. you're going to start treating it that way without actually. Maybe you know what? getting right. a second keywords, opinion. Keywords and quotation marks do not a doctor make. Like if you, if you went to a regular doctor and you didn't like what the doc told you, you might get a second opinion. In this case, I'm going to recommend a second opinion. Okay. I think they're going to tell me to take walks and drink water and watch less TV. Just like the doctor in, of your... Anyway, look, you know, like I say, Dan, I don't like to make a big deal out of things. We should, we should probably just move on. Okay. I'm just going to say that it's, it's, it, it really is a shame. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I told you, uh, something like an hour ago that I didn't really have a topic and I don't really have a topic. I have lots of follow-up, but I would kind of like to talk about meetings after we do some follow-up. Does that work for you? I, I like that idea. 
Okay. Now I have a lot of follow-up. Do you want me to just tell you my follow-up ideas and you can pick a couple you like? Yeah, of course. Okay. Number one, my pinched nerve. Uh, number two, uh, and I don't want to go on every week about this, but there's a new version of drafts for iOS out. Drafts yes, 3. I, I, I bought this and installed it in anticipation of the fact that you might kind of, kind of lose your, lose your, your, your stuff. Yeah, I, I would, as Agent Hill says, in House of M, Papa Stitch. And dra- so Drafts 3 is out, and it's, uh, it will curl your hair, or it will grow your hair and then curl it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I also want to talk about the numerous, you know, you know what, save Adventure Time Connections. You know, it's been yeah. a big week. It's been a huge week for me, and I think that's something that we should address maybe in After Dark. No, I, yes, please. Also, um, I've got Mountain Lion running. Have you noticed how much more quickly and volubly I can respond to your numerous text messages now? Mm-hmm. That's because I got messages. I am literally, literally on Mountain Lion. I'm standing on it. I've got Mountain Lion running on my, let's see, let me check it here, 1972 Mac Pro. Uh, Sigourney Weaver. Am I right? That image. Yes, that will serve me well. I don't, re- <laughs> I don't remember there being like the... The helmet on. Doesn't that make it? It does, but I don't remember that from the movie. There's 11 things I like about that picture, and they're all special things for me. And then I want to talk about a new comic called East of West. So we got Pinched mm-hmm. Nerve, which we kind of already covered. <laughs> Briefly. <laughs> Drafts 3, Adventure Time Connections, Mountain Lion, Sigourney Weaver, and East of West. You know, we can literally skip all of this and go to meetings. Can we, can we quickly do Drafts 3? Yeah, let's do Drafts 3. I have, I have never launched it, but I have it here on the phone ready to go. Okay. Well, I'll just say in brief. Scared that, to launch it. <laughs> well, you know, my, my one uh, BITCH about it is it does launch a little slower, which s- little slower. Forget which it. I'm difference. not even going to bother with it then. <laughs> so, so uh, used to be great. Uh, two stars. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I found that on Twitter, if you reply to somebody and you, you do the, the joking correction of something that they said, if you don't, do, if you just do so, <laughs> comma so period that does not indicate that you have uh, invoked van hoot hoot i i know you have to have comma so comma responded to you recently i noticed yeah yeah i think carl follows you or used to follow you used to so um anyway let's do this quickly drafts three so we did pretty much over half of an episode on drafts not very long ago Mm -hmm. all i'm gonna say about this is this uh drafts three um uh, Draft 3 is a what appears to be a very basic text editing app. You type some things in and then you do stuff to it. Please go listen to that episode. Um, but it, it's added a whole bunch of really neat stuff. Stuff that you know had been uh, an itch to scratch for me. Like now you can back up and restore. Uh, it's a little janky, but you can back up and restore uh, your commands. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing it does very well that uh, my beloved Nebulous Notes doesn't do as well. So if you back up your, for example, you back up your commands via your iPad, it drops it in your like slash app slash drafts folder. And first of all, it indicates that it's the iPad, but I think it's also dated. Hmm. Um, and so any device, you get a device and date, um, you know, stamp for both of those. So you don't end up stepping on something else. And then when you want to bring in other ones, you get to pick which one you're importing. So that's great. Um, gosh, there's, there's probably way too many to mention, but I'll mention a couple. Um, it, you can now, 
when you create a template, let's say you want to create a template for something. And forgive me if this is also a Healy to you guys, not to work ping pong, but go back and listen to the other episode. But now when you create it, you can create, you know, the templates for things where you could have like a kind of text file you create or, you know, whatever. Take the, take this line and make it the title of a document, take the rest of it and make it the body of the document. And you've been able to put things like date stamps in there. But now guess what explodes inside of their text expander snippets. Mm. So any text expander snippet, if you have sharing turned on in text expander, which you do, um, you can type in whatever that, uh, and there's not even, there's not even like a dollar sign or a percent sign or anything. You just type in, um, I, you know, it's cool. Cause it, it seems like it does not explode the snippets when you're, or whatever, whatever you call that. Um, that's a steampunk term exploding, it, but you, you just type it in and then that'll fill that in on execution. And geez, Louise, is this ever great? Um, this is, uh, just so you know, as ever, this is all in show notes. For this episode, Dan, yes, Dan, yes, um, could you please tell our listeners where they would find show notes for uh episode 115 of your back to work program? Ah, it is at five by five TV slash B is in brother, (laughs) two is in the number, Mm -hmm. W is in wackadoodle, wackadoodle slash 115. Yeah, Uh so it's flash, it's slash nonfiction, right. That's just, please literally cut that out. That was not funny on a, on a quantum level. Uh, so I'm drafts, keeping it. Yeah. All right. It's your Stay show. Here. Okay. En- enjoying my titles. Um, <laughs> don't mind me. <laughs> don't mind me. Uh, what are some of the other ones? Uh, there's just so many. It's got all kinds of expand. Like uh, if you use the Evernote, you can now do things like have, um, it, it'll turn your markdown into HTML inside of your, uh, your Evernote uh, dealy bob. Um, Boy, I'm really spacing because there's so yeah, many. It's th- weird today. You're like, out, you're out there. You know what it is? I'm, I'm, under, I'm having a lot of, uh, I'm, in, I'm in a lot of pain. Um, Are you real? I mean, is this real? Is this a legitimate? Have you had anyone? I know you work near certain establishments where they might be able to help you. Oh, with a place where I could get uh, uh, relaxation and relief. Mm-hmm. Some kind of release from your pain, if you will. I should go and get some release. Consider hmm. this your second opinion. <laughs> Mickey used to be better going downhill. Thirty-two <laughs> A floppy. Oh, God. Yeah, try and try and unsee those reviews. <clears throat> oh, literally, God. literally across the street, Dan. <sighs> anyway, uh, I, I won't go on except to say that uh, if you've been using drafts before, uh, please go in and check it out. You know, I'm being a dummy. I should just go look at this. Anyway, we we, we don't have time. We got to move on. But um, drafts keeps getting better. Drafts three is incredible. And um, I'll make sure and link to this. We've linked to this before, but there's a an actions directory that's really neat. Uh, where it's like a little repository. It's not a repository. It's a page. And when you click on any of the actions that you like, it will then take you. If you do that in iOS, it'll then add that action into uh, your, your directory of settings. Oh, you know, one thing that's kind of neat, now there's like tabs. So if there's, you get four tabs. So if there's a bunch of like go-to things you do a lot, that, that's right there under, uh, you know, the number one. Right. So you can organize these a little bit if that helps you. Anyway, terrific app. And congratulations uh, to the team at Agile Tortoise, uh, which seems like it might've been uh, some kind of Diceware title. I don't know how you come up with any name. Diceware. 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 What is that? Ah. You know about Diceware. 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 If you want to come up with a truly secure password or passphrase, you cannot in any way trust your own intuition because no matter what, you will come up with something that makes sense. And so you use Diceware to generate passwords. Oh. You're a technologist. You know about that. I, it's a new term for me. 
Wow. Well, I mean, I like it. But. 4,630,000 pages is a lot of pages, Dan. I swear. They're strong. Uh, let's come back to Adventure Time. The mountain lion is uh, running you met, you met Lance that time, right? I did. I did that one time. I, you know, I don't even Was that in L.A.? Hmm? <laughs> uh, did I tell you I went to L.A.? No, you told Twitter. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I guess I did. I had a very, very strange experience there. I went there for, for a thing. And you know what? This is exactly the kind of thing that drives me nuts. So I'm not going to say it. No, say it. I went to my first Hollywood movie premiere. Did you really? Is that why you went out there? At the, at the Chinese theater and everything. Not to work ping pong. I didn't see C3. Here's to say, after a mere 30 hours in LA, I'm already awesome at casually scoping out someone more important to talk to. Actually, could you excuse me? <laughs> That's in the show notes too. Uh-huh. And you got a lot of responses to that one, boy. Yeah, I live retweets. in LA. You got 50 favorites, 23 retweets. We, we tweets, as you say. <laughs> no hits, no runs, no errors. Yeah. I got to tell you. Um, okay. And then so, um, Sigourney Weaver in her underwear. I was going to put it in the I show don't note. remember the helmet. I don't either. And now, is oh this my a, goodness. A, like slash fiction or something? I don't know what it is. It's steampunk special. Speaking of um, steampunk. Yeah. Have you ever seen those? They're, they're the vapor, they're the electronic vapor cig- cigarette <laughs> things yeah the the waitress uh, last night had make, one of these quote scott simpson they make you look like a wizard yeah but the one she had was so it was the most steampunk thing it was a con- absolute contraption it had a, like a, a a little thing in it where you could see the liquid sloshing around inside of it, like an old fashioned fountain pen. It had like different brass fittings and a little, it was insane. It's, it's is very, this what you're like, using kind of now? Like William Gibson looking. Yeah. Yeah. Is this no, what you use I, or what? No, no. <clears throat> I am acquainted with several people who use them. Yeah. I think they're a fantastic idea and they're super duper schmooper creepy. And, and the way that people use it, um, and I have two, two, two pretty good friends that use them, including someone that, you know, and, um, including two people, you know, hmm. and, um, but the way that I wish you could see what I'm doing, like, like, imagine, Do I really want to be imagine that I'm secretly playing a, a piccolo. <laughs> no, I'm secretly playing like a tin whistle. So imagine <laughs> that I, okay. I've covered, I've kind of covered my mouth with my right hand, mm-hmm. but my left hand is below my right hand. So you can't really see if I'm doing a magic trick. And they, they kind of slowly draw up their wizard cigarette and mm. go, and they hold it from it and then go. It's so creepy. That's cool. Yeah. But you know what's nice is you can, apparently you can do them anywhere. So you can be creepy on a plane. You can be creepy, uh, you know, at the veterinary clinic, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the pinched nerve center, or Santra, as we like to say in Florida. So, and then finally, a uh, new comic I learned about Wednesday uh, just came out uh, in late March, and it's already um, the first issue is already in a second printing because it's going. I think pretty bananas popular. East of West, an Image comic. Have East you seen of it? West. Well, it's it's real new, and uh, Christian, my comic guy, said I should really check it out because he knows the kind of junk that I like. He said he can't even keep it on the shelves. Um, and East, it is, East meets West. Who is what's the name? East or, East. Um, <clears throat> East of West. Oh, one image. It's in show notes. Uh, Jonathan Hickman. And art by, forgive me for massacring Look this. Look at that Nick. art. It's, well, yeah. Nick Dragata. How come you haven't told me? They're in the third issue already? Well, I think uh, the first two are out. 
It's on the Comixology, but I bought I bought floppies of one and two on Wednesday. I've read one, and I really, really like this. So why am I telling you this? Well, it's Image Comics, which rules. Mm-hmm. But also, guys, if you like Saga, you really want to check this out. Um, I don't want to, I mean, just all, all I'll say is this, you know, going, 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 I don't want to talk, there's enough of the explanation of the story, but that doesn't really get at like the, you know what I mean? The style. Yeah. If you explain like, you know, people with superpowers, they never ask for from around the world, work with a bald guy in New York. Well, that doesn't really get at storm, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my daughter was rogue last week. She, uh, she put some white stuff in her hair. It's pretty cool. Oh, like a streak? Um, she did a streak. Um, East of West, I will recommend that. And uh, especially, like I say, especially if you like Saga. You know what's funny? The lettering. I don't know if it's the same letterer, but it's in that same style, you know? Anyway, so East of West, Jonathan Hickman and Nick Dracada. Jonathan Hickman did a run on Fantastic Four and FF that I really liked. It's one of the few things that are in like eight TPPs that I've actually read all the way through. I love the Molites, Dan. They're pretty I love interesting. The, I like the way Joe the Mad draws. used to be bad guys and now they're adorable. Ben Grimm, ben Grimm goes down to save them. And, and he says, where's the rest of you? And they say, we're all that's left. Molloids. There's, there's head, more of them, don't worry. Head in a bell jar. That's one of my favorite Morrissey songs. I didn't, <clears throat> I'm not familiar with that one. A head in a bell jar, there's no air, there's no air, there's no air. La, la, la. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, at minute 29. Hey, Dan, is there, uh, is there uh, anything you want to tell me about that you like? I can tell you about our first sponsor, Shutterstock.com, where you will find over 20 million stock photos. But not just photos, Merlin. You'll find vectors, illustrations, video clips, and more. I mean, you know, apparently we're keeping uh, these people happy. The audience, uh, the audience is listening. Because really? are, they, they, are they listening and responding? They are. And apparently they are finding more than just images like uh, look, you, you found a couple weeks ago. You created a special light box of sick, sick children, which you found all of the images <laughs> of the sick that children. sounds like a dead Kennedy's right <laughs> Yeah. Uh, like it's our sick. What you do is you find images here. Or they could be vectors, illustrations, whatever, the video clip. But you found images and you put them into something that they call a light box. It allows you to organize and categorize and present images that you find on the site. And uh, you can do this also with their, they have a lovely iPad app, which is free. So, so lovely. And you can, as you go through, you choo- you're choosing your favorite pictures, your favorite things. You group them together. So if you and I were collaborating on a site about pinched nerves, you could go and we, you could say, Dan, I'm, I'm putting these images I'm finding into my light box. I could then look at them. You could share them with me or share them with the client or whatever. And you know, I'd like these. Then when you choose to buy them, you can get just the one image. You can get a package of images. You can get one of these licenses that's like a rolling license where you can get more and more you know, every, every month. They have special enhanced licenses if you're like a, like a Jason Snell. You can get an enhanced license. And then uh, they have 24-hour support during the week. And really, this is the cool thing. You get all the high-res stuff right there when you you sign up. Do they nickel and dime you? They do not. Hmm. They do not. You get the high-res. You get the low-res. You even get the mid-res. It's all <laughs> available to you. And they're adding that's, something that's like... That's my favorite member of the Wu-Tang. Mid-res. The mid-res. Will I am. It's a, it's a, tre- it's a tremendous um, service. Wonderful and the, service. The app, I mean, I'm just telling you guys, just get the iOS app and play with it. And, you know, you can get a free account to check it out. And uh, I understand we have a uh, code that people can use to get a discount. Is that accurate? 
they the code they are going to want to use is back to work spelled out for back to work for and that'll get you 30 percent off any package you put together over there one image or a hundred images doesn't matter i think it's a great deal dan shutterstock.com and our thanks to shutterstock for supporting five by five and back to work how are you feeling are you feeling better i feel a bit better yeah you sound you sound i mean you didn't sound bad last week but you sounded like you were still sick and you sound like uh old dan now you sound I, I feel I'm, I'm much 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 better so so many lasting effects from this thing and then i got then little mj came home with a cold and we all got that so that was one. I didn't know that you could. I should have gotten the flu shot because that would have protected me from both this non-flu upper respiratory infection that that we had and from the cold. I should have got that flu shot. Yeah, John John, uh, John Syracuse calls it uh, post hoc ergo sum cold. Mm. If you if you don't get the second, he call he calls it the speed inoculation, uh, which is the second one that you get when you go into Walgreens just to to, to pop in and get some half and half. You get a real quick speed. He calls it a speed inoculation, mm-hmm. and that. If you had gotten that in a timely manner, you would not have gotten the post hoc ergo sum cold. I know. Yeah. Comes from Latin pigs. So I don't remember the helmet. The helmet, boy, that makes it, you know? Mm-hmm. When your underpants are that small, it must be easy to pack. You could just be, you could have a backpack, but then you got to bring cat food. What's the cat's name? What's the cat's name? Who? Schopenhauer? What's her, what's her cat's name? Ripley. What's her cat? Oh, the cat, uh, Schrodinger. Oh. <laughs> Boy, you know what drives me crazy is meetings. <clears throat> meetings. I got I got Dan, I got to tell you. So here's a funny thing. <clears throat> I forgot, I kind of had forgotten that I did this talk uh, a few years ago um, about meetings. And mm. uh, it's funny, I, I did the talk at Twitter in, I think it was September of 2010. And uh, it was, gosh, they had doubled in size just since January. Mm. Can you imagine being somewhere where in whatever that is, uh, you know, nine months, you could double in size? I mean, unless you're pregnant. <laughs> that's subtle. Uh, that's a lot of growth. And, um, you know, there was nothing particular about Twitter and their meeting culture, except they were kind enough to host me and record it. And mm-hmm. um, my, my, uh, my buddy Trammell, who was in the room at the time, uh, posted a lovely link to it via Twitter yesterday, and I went and rewatched it. And I'm a, a like a total unwatchable spaz in the video, but I think some of the advice in it is is pretty good. And so uh, I thought it might be useful. I asked people on the tutor if if they thought it'd be useful. So I thought we could at least talk a little bit uh, about meetings. Mm-hmm. That'd be wonderful. Let's talk now about you, it. You've had you've had a variety of jobs. You started working when you were 13. Uh, you found and returned money from mm-hmm. a public parking lot. Mm-hmm. You've been a CTO, you built computers, you've been to paradise, but you've never been to you. Now, <laughs> right. You got a that is so thing. true. How you is Karen doing? I got, a, I got a whole list right here. Let's see. You've been undressed by kings. Uh, you've seen some things that a woman just ain't supposed to see. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. The Isle of Monte Carlo. What's your take on meetings? Have you, have you, have you, let me ask you this. I like meetings. I love it. Love it. I love long, me. long meetings. Love meetings. Do you, fluorescent um, lights, everything is great. <laughs> um, when you've, well, let me ask you this. Uh, Go in, ahead, in, caller. Uh, thank you. First time meter. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. And <laughs> joke. Insert once. Sorry. <laughs> include once. Sorry, John. I should have got my shot. Mm. Insert once. Uh, sounds like when I was 17. Um, when you worked at various places where you would have meetings, mm-hmm. did you... 
Do you ever feel like there were different cultures around meetings? I mean, it's kind of a leading question, but did, did you feel like meetings had a different, um, like so, sort of different sets of rules or, I mean, I, I say that because I've always felt that. Did you, like from one place to another there, would meetings- Like the different, different culture things? of the place where you're working leads to a different kind of meeting. Yeah, at the basic level, you've got culture that's along the lines of like, okay, it could be an old school IBM place where you have to wear a, a dark suit, or it could be a place where people wear sandals, like that's acceptable, right? That is that kind of culture. But I think there's also culture around meetings, which, you know, intrigues me, like all cultural things. Did you did you ever feel, okay, maybe give me examples of, of different cultures. Was it like, okay, to just call meetings some places, other places you got a detailed agenda? I mean, I remember you know, like one of my first jobs out of college, it was like, a, I would, today we would call it a startup. Back then it was just a, a small company where, you know, the developers and engineers, we would just have like a scheduled weekly meeting. And otherwise you just kind of walk around to the different people's cubes and, and talk to them. And that's, that was that culture. It was very, very cool because, you know, you, you felt like you could go to anybody in the company and just talk to them and, you know, ask them a question and, oh, you know what we should we should get Merlin in uh, to this one. Hey, Merlin, come on over. And he, you'd walk over and they were, that, that was your meeting. Uh, and it, it worked. It worked fine. And everybody was relatively sensitive to other people being, you know, in crunch mode. And, right. and then we had like a weekly developers meeting that we would all just sit in and, and do. And then, you know, compare this to working at that telecommunications company where mm. you could not have a meeting without making sure that each one, that everybody from an affected uh, department had a representative <laughs> there. And that, and then, then you'd, well, we need to get the project manager from this team and all of this, it would take hours of emailing for everybody to find a, a scheduled time and then an available meet. Well, we don't want to meet in that meeting room. That's on the third floor. Most of us are on the second floor. So we need to have it here. And you get, and when, you, when you schedule it, you go through that whole thing of like, you know, when are you available? Yes. You know, and that, you know, like we talked about with trying to plan things. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and something I've seen, I feel like I've seen more in academia, but um, certainly inside of companies too, is what you're describing, which is, well, on the one hand, you're like, well, here's the people we know have to be in the meeting. And then you go, well, we should also, uh, you know, rope in uh, Janet from uh, from accounting. Yeah. But then also, like, you're kind of at that point just a couple doors away from, we should also at least invite everybody who might potentially feel wounded or give us pushback if they're not invited. Like, if they didn't get to come exactly. to the they birthday They have party, to be included. It's a, all a CYA uh, kind of thing. And of course, if you get invited to a meeting, you know, for most of us, that version of contributing is, you know, we may not, for any variety of reasons, you may not be particularly prepared for the meeting mm -hmm. and you may come in and chuck as George Costanza does, oh, right? He's nice. a chucker. Yep. But um, there's, there's a few things that, I don't know, uh, several things that led me to want to do a talk about meetings. I don't want to make us all about the talk, but um, just for what it's worth, in notes, you can go look at that um, Vimeo video of me doing that talk at Twitter. And it's, you know, like I say, it's, it's long and silly, but it's got good stuff in it. The slides are pretty good, even though they're hard to read. But um, there were several things that led me to this interest. Um, Paramount, above all else, uh, I, you know, I've always, since I started doing this stuff, whatever it is, I've been the email guy, right? Like mm -hmm. the thing I got well known for was talking about email. And, and then I started getting invited to go do talks about email and specifically to give that inbox zero talk. And what I would discover though, when you go to the cafetorium, like after you go have lunch and, mm -hmm. you know, hang out, mm -hmm. is like, Everybody was so increasingly, it felt like every talk I'd meet more and more people who said, yeah, email thing's tough, but like, what about meetings? Because really, you know, 
and I think a lot of you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's easy to just, you know, shoot meetings in a barrel, you know, and, and roll your eyes. But I really do think that in a lot of corporate cultures or even a lot of team cultures, um, meeting culture can, can go way off the rails. And, and like in your case, you worked at, you know, what we would now call a startup. Um, startups are not, you know, um, on the face of it, they don't have to be more efficient, but it sure helps. Mm-hmm. You have a lot fewer resources. You have less time. And, you know, I think part of it is as a company grows to a medium-sized and larger company, you have to have more meetings because there's more people that have to know what's going on. And then you get even bigger. You got to bring in people from different teams and business units who don't know each other. Mm -hmm. And it gets, even in the best of cases, if they're good meetings, the more people you get involved in that, the more complex it gets. Um, And so, you know, in in that way, like, and, and, and honestly, like part of it is I've also just never really been somebody who loves uh, meetings personally. Um, but then something else, and this is in show notes, is uh, um, something I read probably a year before that talk, something by Paul Graham um, that I like a lot called, it's an essay he did in 2009 called Maker Schedule, Manager Schedule. And um, it's a, I think it's a very, very, like a lot of his stuff, a very good essay about the difference between not in a value judgment way, but in the difference between the way a manager thinks about time and the way, in his words, a maker thinks about time. More specifically, <clears throat> the way that somebody who manages people, mostly manages people rather than being strictly a practitioner, thinks about their time versus somebody who in particular is a programmer, developer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've talked about before, I, I think you agreed on this, that when you're, when you're really going heads down to make something, um, you, you kind of, you, you don't want your focus and concentration broken. There's a lot of stuff to, you've got that stack in your head of stuff you're keeping together. It can be a little bit, when you're really getting into it, you know, sometimes it can feel a little bit flimsy if somebody comes up and interrupts you, like the stack kind of falls apart, right? Yeah. Do do you feel that way? No, I totally do. I mean, you would rather probably just be off on your own without interruptions for... I'm going to say, and I'm copying this a little from Paul Graham, but this has been true in my very small bit of experience doing development, but also just from my friends. You put on the headphones and you you really concentrate a lot for a long time. Yeah, yeah, and you know, as 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 I think Paul Graham said it in the essay, but I've heard other people say is that developers uh, tend to think of their time in in much larger blocks. Um, You know, especially if you're, you know, what I don't want to talk out of my butt, but I think it's true that like you know, you think in terms of days or half days, you don't think in terms of half hours of time. You know, you may, like if you're somebody who's like a, a management and practitioner person, like you might go in and help people with problems. But if you're developing a big chunk of a program of an application or whatever, you know, it's nice to kind of have your own time to do that. Whereas managers, the whole nature of what they do is to chalk up their day into these small pieces. And, you know, I think for a lot of managers, even good managers, and their idea of efficiency is compartmentalizing the management of people into these meetings. That could mm-hmm. be one-on-ones, uh, could be staff meetings, status meetings, uh, you name it. But, you know, the people, I guess the nut of it is that the people who are, first of all, empowered to call meetings, but yes, also the people who do end up calling a lot of meetings, you know, uh, maybe aren't thinking as much about how that cuts into someone's day. I don't, you know, and again, I'm not trying to sound critical about that, but you know, it's certainly what it, uh, we all tend to think, 
you know, based on how we see the world. And if we see the world in a certain way, we're kind of kind of naturally assume that other people sort of see it that same way. What you may be disinclined to do is to email 10 developers and ask them, you know, if you ask them if they could take a the dreaded 10.30 a.m. meeting, mm. like it's, it's like the seven o'clock nap. It's just a bad idea. Taking a nap at 7 p.m. if you want to have a normal night's sleep is not a great idea. If you're going out to do some coke and go to the disco, it's a fine idea. <laughs> but for me, like that meeting in the middle of the morning really feels like death. It's a tough one. What, what, what do you define as the middle of the morning? Give me the, the, the times that you... Well, would. I mean, I, you know, I come in, per, I mean, like with jobs, any job I've had, including this one, I come in at like eight or nine. Mm-hmm. But in like a real job, you come in at eight or nine, maybe, or someplace is 10. And, um, you know, some companies will have, you can come in later and then you work later. But... You know, if you figure you come in at eight or nine, there's stuff you deal with and you're probably going to go to lunch at 12 or one. To me, that 10 or 1030 meeting or the 10 or 1030 call, um, it's something I really try to avoid unless I have another call or meeting scheduled right before it. Because just because of my stupid brain, I'm disinclined to do, I'm disinclined to jump into something that I know is going to be, is going to take a lot of concentration and take a lot of effort because I'm thinking, you know, I've really kind of only got an hour to do this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're doing administrative work, if you're, or or management work or that kind of thing, that could be great because you're, you're used to those little chunks of time. And, and, you know, in an ideal world, I'd be great at that too. But, you know, being how I am, if I have a call at 10, I'm mostly going to sit around before the call and do other junk. You know, um, it might be good things, might be bad things, but that's the time I might start tagging my MP3 data because it's like, well, you know, I got to go do this thing. And in my case, like if I have to like go take a train downtown, like any meeting, if I had a one minute meeting downtown, that's still for functional purposes, half a day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I it's do. like, that's, it's a fixed uh, cost in terms of, of time in some ways. So that, that's, that's another thing that kind of inspired me. But um, the, the thing that really brought all this together for me is, and this is certainly a theme we've talked about, I think a lot on here is you know how funny it is that when we talk about it, it's such a thing that's like a cliche, like meetings suck, right? And every you know you hate going to meetings; it's no fun, you know. And it's they feel I think they feel unproductive. They they feel sometimes feel, meetings can feel a little selfish, but you know, for a lot of us, not everybody, but for a lot of us, meetings are a place where we're not doing the main kind of work that constitutes our work. Mm-hmm. If you are, to use Paul Graham's phrase, a maker, the time that you're in meetings is very valuable for removing barriers and communicating and making sure that everybody's, as they say, on the same page. But if you are somebody who's a, you know, a, a Perl developer, you, you know, you're not, you're not going to be doing the creation of that code. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm not saying email's not important. I'm not saying meetings aren't important. But if they are important, like, why don't we treat them more seriously in a way that makes it clear to everybody why we're having this meeting, why it's a good idea and why it's valuable for us to do certain things that I think are very valuable anyway, to make sure that they stay good. And so the the irony of this, the third part of this is that it's funny to me how often we all crow about how much meetings suck. And yet I've met pretty much nobody ever who thinks that their meetings suck. It's, you know, sort of like with email, Sort of like multitasking, sort of like French kissing. You don't find out that you're not that great at it until you ask around. Mm. And, and I think that's a funny thing. And that's why the talk that I did is called Broken Meetings and How You'll Fix Them. So it's basically a set of ideas for like why I think meetings are 
can be very difficult and complicated things. And why I think the first-person transitive approach to meetings in particular is a good thing. Because isn't that another part of, the, of, of corrosive culture in a company is thinking that it's everybody else's problem? Like, wow, this place is so screwed up because of the management. This place is so screwed up because of my, my colleagues in this other team that are really goofy. You know what I mean? We get, we get back into that Dave has a better lamp than me problem. But it's, it's, it's so rare that any of us have the humility to ask what we could do to make our own meetings better, at least in my experience. I mean, I think, oh, so first of all, this, vi- this video, can we sit down and watch this thing? Yeah. Should we pipe the audio in and, and just let it play? I really, really, really wish you wouldn't. I mean, I won't, I don't have to. Yeah. Well, like I say, it's, it's, uh, I have, uh, as Lenny Bruce used to say, a discursive style that not everybody likes. And by not everybody, I mean pretty Broken much Broken meetings. Yeah. So, you know, so that, that's, that's the basic problem statement for me is that, well, you know, first, like, like with everything but we you talk have, about. You can't, you're not one of these people like, uh, you know, like the 37 Signals guys who say, no meetings, no meetings. You can't have them. Done. We have a stand-up meeting for three minutes every morning and that's it. Like a, like a scrum kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, is that, is that the answer? Because whenever you hear about people who talk about how, uh, you know, well, we have the most effective meetings in the world at our company where everyone's standing up and we all drink, you know, two glasses of water 15 minutes before the meeting. So we have to <laughs> pee and, you know, there's yes. all these little tricks and things that people do to try and make the meeting go faster or make, pe- you know, or, oh, you have to have someone who's accountable and who takes, you know, who, who makes the meeting. Otherwise you all just wind up sitting there, you know, and it winds up becoming a brainstorming session. And then people who don't need to be in the brainstorming session are sitting there and they feel bad if they walk out and they you know, I don't know. I I think it like I'm not I remember when I used to do uh, one of the first startups that I was in was what's called a CLEC competitive local exchange carrier. And they would they would like sell long distance. That sounds like such a squirrely business. When you describe that, I always think like it seems like such a weird idea. It was it was a strange idea. And we these meetings that we would have because I was technically I was part of the sales team because I was like a Tech, like sales technical engineer. director, sales engineer person, uh, that we would have these meetings where the sales guys would sit down and talk to uh, the you know the the senior engineering team because the engineers were basically explaining to the sales guys, well, here's how our new switching technology is going to work, and here's the products that you can create from it, and you know I would have to be there just in case they would say something that the sales guys didn't immediately understand and I would have to translate it. And this might happen once every <laughs> 15 or 20 minutes, but I had to sit there paying very close attention uh, yes. just yes, yes, in yes. case. Well, Dan, how can we, how can we translate that into a product? And I'd be like, Oh, we could, this is what he's talking about. Okay. And, and then I'd be quiet for another 15 or 20 minutes. It, these were the most pain. And I actually remember one time my boss, his name was John. He was sitting there and he's like, uh, anybody, may, you know, you may want to use the restroom now because it's likely <laughs> that this can be a long meeting and uh, I enjoy long meetings. And he'd just look at you. I mean, his goal was to make it as long of a meeting as possible. He, that was, he liked it. He wanted the long <laughs> meetings. Yeah. Well, you know, we all, we like to, uh, you know, this is, this is such a, 
I don't know. I feel like this run, runs through so much of what we end up talking about here, or I end up talking about here, is um, this this basic problem. We've addressed this specifically in a few episodes of the show, which is, you know, again, to quote that line from that movie, you know, the terrible thing in life is that uh, every man has his reasons. You know, there's, there's, there, even on our best days, we don't always... We don't always see clearly in that kind of Buddhist way. You know, we don't always see things as they are uh, rather than how we are used to seeing them. And one one way I like to put that is that we tend to seek out, identify, and or accept only the problems that we understand. Like if we don't understand what a problem is, then uh, we tend to think it's somebody else's problem. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not unlike that old cliche about, you know, when your only tool is a hammer, mm-hmm. well, you know, every problem looks like a nail. And I, I, but I, I don't think that's, <clears throat> I'm not trying to sound judgy, but I think unless you really set yourself to the difficult, uh, and slippery task of getting better at that, I mean, that's, that's how you roll. And as far as <clears throat> not to call it 37 signals, I don't, I don't know that much about where they are these days. No, but, but I mean, they have, they have a really, their philosophy is really great. And that, and I don't know where they are these days either, but their philosophy is, you know, constant communication uh, as necessary. Very, very few of what we would think of as traditional meetings right. and it works for them, but they are a company that started with a very different culture, maintained a very different culture and 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 it's it's very hard to overlay that on top of a company that has three thousand employees in multiple. You know what I'm saying? Like ha- absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, this is to me this is the awkward truth, and this is what what one of the eleven things that at the end of the day makes me such a such an unpleasant character is there's not one answer for that. And I think we run into trouble when we think again to quote uh, the mythical mammoth when we think there's a silver bullet for anything. So if that works, yes, if that works for Jason Freed and his, and his partners there, that's great, man. If that works for the people who, who also work with 37 singles, that's great too. But you know, a, um, there's a lot of philosophies and mission statements out there that have absolutely nothing to do with how things actually run and what people would like to be doing. In that case, I don't know. It sounds, it sounds like that could work, but I know it doesn't work. It's just reading something in an in-flight magazine and then demanding that everyone do it. <laughs> so, so, I mean, to me, that's not so far off. Like, you know, we bought bagels, so now we're Google, you know, there's the, the, there's a, there's a people who, who manage and I, I am hard on managers. I apologize. But in my experience, a lot of managers are looking upwards rather than downwards a lot of times. They, they, they may understand that they are acting as an intermediary between the people who work for them and the people who work above them, much like you did at that meeting. Mm-hmm. But you could be a translator. But you're also really, I, I think you're, you tend to be most interested in solving problems in the way that you're used to and taking the power, the tacit or implicit power that you've got and exercising it in the way that works for you, which is not leadership. That's just being bossy. There's a big difference. Leadership is making people want to want to do what you do because you have credibility and a track record and have a have a shown ability to produce things that are awesome. Mm-hmm. Cred, as I said in that talk, credibility to me, and I, I am not putting myself up as a paragon. I'm the anti-paragon. I'm the nonagon of this, which I think might be a nine-sided. <laughs> <laughs> That's a kind um, of die. Yeah, yeah. It's like in uh, Ultimate Fighting. See you in the nonagon. <laughs> Is that uh, credibility to me means you say something and then you do it and then you say something else and you do it and you say something, you do it, you say something, you do it. And if you do that over and over, um, 
Or let's say if you say something and then you have a great reason why you didn't do it, that's what credibility is. And so, you know, it's, this is a different conversation that I, I think would be very interesting, but, but, it, and I'm the one leading us in that direction. Um, but you know, the, to me, there's a big difference between management and leadership. And there's a difference, big difference between management and just being bossy and pedantic. You know, a leader is somebody, you remember in D&D, if you rolled an 18 charisma, like that means people will want to follow what you do, right? If you, if you have, if you have, and I don't mean charisma in the sense of like Pentecostal churches or in the sense of right. like being in the seduction community. I mean charisma in the sense that like if you have high charisma, intelligence, and wisdom, well, first of all, don't be a cleric. But, but uh, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, to me, leadership is you do stuff so well that people respect your decision making and trust you. It, that, that you will you will do the right thing for the company and for the people that work for that, that person, mm-hmm. right? So we should probably get into some specifics here because I, I like I say I, I have some ideas for ways this can, can get better. But but just to, to wrap up on this one piece, you know, it's so many. This drives me bananas. There's so many times we try to solve an incredibly complicated problem with this really blunt instrument. Mm-hmm. Right. So examples we've given before, you know, for a long time, people tried to solve the email problem. Gosh, there was used to be a plugin that you could buy for Outlook that gave you the equivalent of coins where you could say like, oh, I'm going to this message is so important. I'm using five coins. So that's a way to escalate that importance. <laughs> that sounds like, ridiculous. You know, I'm really I am so I think scarcity is important. But I think if that scarcity doesn't come in the form of the first person transitive and, you, you know, you know this, you're an English guy, but first person transitive means, you know, I kick the chair. Intransitive would be the chair was kicked. Mm-hmm. And we all know from Strunk and White that you make much more lively prose um, if you tend to focus on uh, first person transitive. It is believed that first person transitive. <laughs> um, and so, you know, scarcity is great, but I mean, to solve email. So what do you do? You have uh, e-coins that you send people or you do that total douche thing of saying, hey, you know what? We're doing no email Fridays, which again leads you to, oh my God, I have so much email to deal with Saturday and Sunday. It doesn't make email go away. It doesn't, it doesn't solve the problem. It just makes some idiot sound like he or she is an innovator because they read this thing in an in-flight magazine, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so here's the thing, whatever works, if it works, that's a good thing. Whatever works for your meetings, whatever works in that culture, that's great. All I'm asking you, all that I am literally begging you is to ask around and make sure that that is the case. Because if you are merely bossy rather than a leader, you have not opened that door for people to come to you and say, look, we have these meetings a lot. We have these meetings on short notice. We have these meetings without an agenda that start late and they finish late and there's no follow-up. And all these things that hopefully we can address, at least in brief, these are the things that drive people crazy and that, yes, harm your credibility. In the same way that having a giant mission statement on the wall and then doing a bunch of BS does not help your credibility with your employees, let alone your stockholders. Mm-hmm. So, um, And so, you know, part of the problem is when we try to address these big problems, whether it's email or meetings or whatever, and we use the blunt instrument. That, again, the blunt instrument could be like you put up a sign in the kitchen that everybody laughs at. If you, if you come at this problem without understanding um, how, how many angles there are to it or how many different ways it could be broken in ways you don't even realize, that's when it becomes harmful. And that's why I, I, I like to look at this as, forgive me, <laughs> um, people, but uh, patterns, like big patterns. Like some of these are kind of like tips, but really it's more like a buffet of ideas for things that might work, right? So, I mean, you know, tip zero is like, find out if it's, if, if there are things people would, you, if there are things that your team would like you to do different about meetings. I mean, have you ever asked, 
Have you ever asked anybody on your team how the meetings are going? I, I kind of bet most people haven't, you know? Because what? That, that seems like, what, undignified. It makes you look like less of a lead or mm. if you're asking people how it could be better. Well, you know, you're the truth weak. is you're, that- you're, you're weak. You're weak. The leads are weak. But no, you seriously, I mean, it does. It does. And, and this is the thing that you see time and time and time and time again is there's the fear of looking weak by deferring to the people that work with or for you uh, and saying, what do you think? <laughs> And at the same time, there is the fear of accountability, of making a decision on your own, and then you're, then you're at fault if it's wrong. And that's why where, at least in the cultures that I've been involved in, so many of the meetings came from was that you had a manager who didn't see themselves as a leader or a decision maker. They saw themselves as a, uh, almost a bean counter of opinions, so that their goal was to involve everybody who could potentially be involved or who might in, in some peripheral way have to come in contact with this thing that you're trying to decide. Involve all of them. Bring them all <laughs> together in one room so that they can all say what they're afraid of. And then just kind of almost at the end of it say, well, let, let, what do you think? Should we do it or not? What do you think? Should we do it or not? And then <laughs> right. you just, well, more people said we should do it than didn't. So that's why we did it. It's not, you know, and then your hands go up. Oh, it's not my fault. I mean, it didn't work. It's not me. It's not really, what it's you not guys really, wanted. It's not really a calendar event for a meeting. It's more like your invitation to a blame party. That's right. Like you, you're, you're there so that you can help defray, you know, if anything goes wrong. And we talked about this in, I think in the innovation episode, but at least in my opinion, the problem with innovation, for example, inside of companies is not a lack of innovation, but an, uh, an, an abundance of, um, of, you know, fear of risk. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Risk aversion. And I think if it's very easy as a manager to become risk averse, you know, the, the real, the powerful person in a company is not the person who's allowed to say no. It's the person who's allowed to say yes and then make it happen, which is really different from the way a lot of people think. Because if you just say no to everything, well, I mean, you're just another one of those folks whose head's not going to pop up out of the gopher hole when it's time to, you know, to make cuts. You just, you, you know, if you just drone your way along and start inside of a large company, uh, you'll probably do okay. Like, you know, if you have to, if you had to err one way or another, mm -hmm. I think being the person that doesn't get as no noticed for as much, you know, you keep your numbers pretty much where they need to be. I think you're, you're, you run less risk of making yourself a target mm -hmm. and you are much less li likely to disrupt other people, but that's not, not how you make something awesome. You know, I, I don't want to just say, I don't want to sound all Jason Fried and get all mad and talk about shaking it up, but like that, you don't make something great by making the same thing. And in this instance, just from an administrative standpoint, you don't fundamentally improve something that is not only quite important, but is also regarded as a potential time sink by a lot of people. I mean, you don't do that by just introducing, you know, tricks. There are tricks. There are numerous tricks that you can employ to make meetings better. But I think it's, it does kind of start by saying, like, what can I do to make my meetings better? Mm -hmm. What if for the sake of, like, it's like with all the stuff we talk about, what if for the sake of argument, I decided that this is what I'm going to do because it's who I want to be. It's not because I have to go bend other people to my will. It's because it matters to me to be great at this. And, you know, I, I, again, I can't put myself up as the best example of this, but, you know, why would that affect you? Don't you want to be awesome? Like, how, well, how about trying these things to be awesome? So think of this as a big buffet. This is the, the Bellagio buffet of meeting ideas. <laughs> Bellagio buffet. Delicious. <laughs> okay, so my, this is going to be a little bit of a list. Is that okay? Can we toss these out? And we'll yes, try and get these quickly. I, I've, I, 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 these are... Punch it down. I'm going to give you a punch list. 
net net. Uh, these are 10 things that I think can improve meetings. And uh, we'll spend some time on. Are you going to start with the most important one or yeah, work yeah. down to the least important? Are you ready? Here we go. Okay. Ten, 10 things to improve meetings. Got Purpose, it. agenda, grazing policy, edges, guests, timekeeper, no rat holes, focus, follow-up, consistency. I will read that again. Okay. That was too ten, fast. 10 things. Purpose, agenda, grazing policy, edges, guests, timekeeper, no rat holes, focus, follow-up, and consistency. All right. The two most important on that list in many ways are purpose and agenda. If there's anything that I think most meetings lack, it is a clear communication on the purpose of the meeting and the agenda of the meeting. And I think these are very heavily related, but different things. So, you know, if we go into this worst case scenario that many of us have lived through, where you get the arm between the shoulder blades kind of pushing you into the room mm-hmm. or room, as mm-hmm. people like to call it, <laughs> more like the surrender room. Um, <laughs> why do I bother? Uh, you know, what, what is, what is the purpose of this meeting? Um, and, and, and why don't you let people know what the purpose of the meeting is before the meeting? I mean, you know, is it, hope, don't you is have just, to do that? I mean, don't you have to say what the goal of the meeting is beforehand to even get people there? Do you think that happens most of the time? I don't know. I mean, it, I think if you, I think if you are in particularly, I, I don't, I don't mean to make up a straw man here, but I think in most, in many, many medium to large organizations, uh, particularly meetings, uh, excuse me, organizations where meetings have become SOP, like frequent meetings, meetings on short notice, and so forth. I think if if somebody like a boss type person tells you to come to a meeting, most people are not empowered to say either something as uh, aggressive as what's the purpose and agenda, but even something as, as simple and useful as how shall I prepare for that? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so to me, purpose and agenda do like so many great things. So, you know, when you send out the invitation, like, you know, <laughs> what needs to be accomplished? Like, how will we know that this meeting is done? How will we know that it's gone well? Purpose can also be things like, I mean, think about how many different kinds of meetings there are. So if you put something on somebody's calendar and you say, you know, weekly status meeting, Monday from eight to five or whatever, they're going to know that that's the status meeting. It's the same stupid meeting we have over and over. Of course, we've never taken a step back and really asked if we need to have it for that long, for that often or for at all. But the purpose to me is when you say to somebody in a, in a very, in a clear single sentence, what this meeting is about. And what does that mean? Well, is this a brainstorming meeting? Is this one of those meetings where one person is going to sit there like, you know, King Farouk while everybody in the court sits on their butt and waits to be called upon? Boy, I've been in a lot of meetings like that, buddy. I've been in a lot of meetings where, like you described, there are, there are rarely more than two people needed at a given moment. And everybody else is just there. Then they sit there and they play with their laptops or they, they play with their iPhone or they, they wonder what the most painless way would be to take their own lives because it can just it's so you're sitting there and you're thinking oh my gosh i have all this work to do i have all this email piling up and wow if there's a total miracle and we end up having some stuff we need to do because of this meeting well then i got to go to my next meeting and find out what i got to do in there like when do you actually get to do that and i think if you don't if you're not communicative with people and if you're not good at demonstrating what the value of this meeting is going to be then you shouldn't be surprised that, that people sit there glass-eyed and, and wonder like why you're up there still talking. So a lot of this is to build credibility, but it, it's also to make sure that, that not only that, that we stop the culture of people in the 
you know, attendance of the meeting thinking it sucks. But we get out of this culture of having the people who call the meetings, like acting like it can't be anything but sucky, right? How do we raise the bar, like starting with ourselves? So purpose and agenda. So, so I, I think those are different. Purpose, purpose would be like, for example, um, the example I gave in that talk is we have to decide how much money to spend on paper towels next fiscal year. Um, we have to decide where to have uh, Jeannie's birthday party. Mm-hmm. Fine, whatever. Tell people. Um, we want to have a postmortem on what we could have done better with this project. Um, we have to brainstorm ideas for the Henderson report, you know, that uh, we have to present next week. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is. Why is this great? Well, first of all, God, make yourself come up with a topic sentence. You know, it's like Don Murray says, right? Topic at the top of the page. And then, actually, it's not Don Murray. Who is it? That other guy. But write topic at the top of the page and then in one sentence describe what it is that you're about to write. Well, that's actually so much harder to do. And it's not just a fourth grade thing to learn to do. It gives you focus and it centers you. And you know what? At any time when you're writing, you can always go back and change that topic. Mm -hmm. But in this case, as the person who calls the meeting, who's going to take the time of all of those people? Do you ever calculate how much money a meeting costs? It's, It's mind boggling. And so- The purpose part is where you have the opportunity to show that you have thought this through and that every person who's getting that invitation or demand to come to the meeting, like will want to come because they understand why they need to be there and how they'll know when it's finished, right? Now, the agenda is heavily related. The purpose tells us why we're there and what the, I don't want to say goal, but what what, what the purpose of the meeting is. But the agenda is then sort of a listing of what we'll cover to get there. And if you want to get really cool about that, you could actually kind of put some times on that and say a third of this meeting is going to be talking about X, you know, uh, a quarter of this meeting is going to be talking about Y and I can't do math. So whatever the rest would be this third thing. Right. <laughs> and, 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 and so why am I beating this to death? Um, because I, it, I can't tell you how many times I have personally encountered people who say that they're too busy to provide an agenda for a meeting, right? Because they're busy. <laughs> <laughs> and the the more I think about that, the more it, it, it makes me want to scream and throw a chair through a window mm-hmm. because, you know, you have the time to call this meeting and take the time of all these people, but you don't have the time to demonstrate that you've thought this through and can tell them how to prepare like an adult to come to the meeting and what they can expect as a result of that. I mean, that's, that's really, really weird. I, I won't go on with this, but I think folks who are suffering under a culture where that's just okay to have random meetings called that don't have a purpose and an agenda you know, boy, that's a really big one, you know? And when I have phone calls with people, for example, I, especially if it's strangers, um, if it's a stranger, you can definitely count on this happening with me. Why are we having this meeting? And give me three bullets on what we need to cover. And some people are just aghast when you ask them to do that. You know, I, I've said this before, but I use the notes field in Google Calendar. So I'll say, you know, I'll put it in the title. I'll say, you know, and you've seen my, my things. I'll say like call colon or Skype colon or meeting colon. Right. And I'll say meeting, uh, you know, brainstorm ideas for the Henderson report. Well, that's kind of the purpose of the meeting. And then inside the notes field, the three things we need to cover, at least from my point of view, if I'm inviting you to the meeting, like here's three things I want to cover. If you want to cover other things, that's great. But at least I'm not telling you that I'm not like, I'm not lobbing this, this large black box at your head and expecting you to be excited about it. So I think those things are, are very useful. Um, does that make sense? Yes. Purpose very. It's so simple. Um, but it's, it's one thing. Why, very, why are people, do you think, resistant to this kind of thing? Because it, it seems, when I hear you say it, it seems obvious. It seems like, okay, of course. Why, why, it like, seems why like I should this? rotate my tires, but I haven't. Right. You know? Well, but, right, <laughs> good, no, but, but, I, but, I 
It's a good question. I mean, this is the kind of thing that I would think if you, if people were to listen to this, they'd say, yeah, that makes sense. Let's try that. It's not like you're asking them to make some kind of huge fundamental shift in the way that they think or the way that they work. It's, it's just saying, oh, let's, like I was talking to my wife about, you know, the snack she makes for cash, right? And the snack is like uh, these um, macadamia nuts and then it's this little fruit leather thing and it's in a little Ziploc bag. And she's always sort of scrambling around to, you know, make, make this in the morning. I said, you know, like you could in theory make a whole week's worth of these and it wouldn't actually take much longer than, or I could for that matter. See, that's how, you know, I'm like been married a while. Cause I think that she's going to, you know, I should do it. But one of us could make, you know, five or even 10 of these and put them in the fridge or the freezer and then they'd just be ready to go. The, the reason that we don't do that is that in and of itself is like, well, great. Now I got to get 10 bags out and I got to set them up. I got to do it. And instead of taking, <laughs> right. instead of taking a minute uh, and a half in the morning to do it, it's going to take five minutes to do it, even though it'll, it'll cut down uh, and save me 30 seconds every morning. Like it's, it's almost not worth the effort. Is that why people are resisting it? Well, you know, per our earlier discussions, I don't, I don't know if the, the exact answer to that. I don't think so. But I mean, you know, we all have to decide what amount of fiddliness is worthwhile. But if I were somebody leading a team and I wanted them to see me as being a leader rather than a bossy pants, mm-hmm. I would go out of my way uh, to try and show uh, an unnecessarily, uncommonly high level of respect for their time and attention. Um, but a lot of people don't think they need to. Let's be honest, right? They're the manager, right? They're the, they're, they're the, uh, they're the lord of the manor. So these folks better not, you know... <laughs> I think that I think that a lot of people would take that as a personal insult. If you said to your manager, um, "I would I, I would love to see what I could do to help you uh, with, with with having shorter and more focused meetings," and if you wanted to, I would be happy to help develop an agenda and take care of circulating that, or as we'll see in a minute, be your timekeeper. Uh, why do people not do it? That's the irony to me: is the people that I meet who find her so resistant to this tend to be people who talk about how busy they are. But I, I honestly think that it is that if you get into a meeting culture, and this, this again, this might be fish in apparel, but I think you can end up having so many meetings that you couldn't even keep it straight. All you know is you show up in a room, and then people start talking, and you remember what what it's about, maybe, right? But but you know this. I think I've told you this. My my first roommate in San Francisco was this guy who was the the food and beverage. Uh, director at the Ritz and one of the coolest, nicest people I've ever met. And he said that the internal motto or the credo of people who work at the Ritz is we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. And I, I think that's so inspiring, Mm -hmm. right? We're not ladies and gentlemen serving jerks. We're not lackluster dip craps serving ladies and gentlemen. We are ladies and gentlemen and we're serving ladies and gentlemen. So what does that mean? That means I'm going to treat everybody that I encounter like somebody who deserves respect. And I'm going to comport myself as somebody who deserves respect. And if we all did that, like, wouldn't that be a much more interesting situation? I think when you send somebody a purpose and an agenda, it doesn't have to be a crazy detailed agenda. I will say that if it's going to be a three hour long meeting, you better have a pretty damn good idea why all those people are going to be sitting in that room and they better, they better feel the love before they walk in there. And oh my gosh, how crazy would it be if they could actually prepare for the meeting by knowing what it was going to be about and what they could contribute. Right. And then, cause then if you're not, if you're not prepared, you go in there and you found there's more stuff you need to know. And what does that do? That just leads to more meetings. Yeah. So as far as why people don't do it, I, I guess it varies like all of these things. Let me just underscore. If you don't need it, don't use it. Mm-hmm. But first, make sure you don't need it. 
And then let's get into some specifics. And so, so here's my idea on that, just to, to wind uh, this part up. Purpose and agenda. Um, uh, part of what galls me about bad meeting culture is this whole sense that it's just okay to call people into a meeting whenever, about whatever, with very little notice and without really doing anything to make sure whether that's a good time for everybody. And on top of that, to have this uh, record of, or record or this you know, kind of received wisdom that this person's meetings tend to be really kind of silly. I give a very long example of this in, in that talk at, at Twitter where I talked about this, this, our CTO at this company of mine who would have a two to four hour meeting every Tuesday with like 30 people, a conference call, and we all just sat there. We just sat there and ate M&Ms and wondered when we we're going to cash out. But it, it, here, the other key part in this, though, is to do this ahead of time. Like, you know, and here's the deal also. If you're great at this, that's awesome. Why don't you try and get even better at it? That's a trick because you're not actually good at it. Now you need to just try and get good. But no matter if you, if you are good at this stuff, like how can you get better at it? Because again, remember, you're not wasting your time, your time, who cares? Like if you're wasting the time of five people, that's five people who can't be doing other things right now that are stuck there that entire time. They can't leave, right? And here's the thing, send that out ahead of time. If you, if you know, if you're an adult and you understand what this meeting is about, you should be able to articulate that to another adult in a way that makes them see the value of it. The agenda then shows that you have not only thought through that idea, but you figured out at least a straw man plan for how you're going to get that accomplished in that amount of time. Mm-hmm. And this is how long I think it'll take. You can, you can, you know, as we'll get to in a second, let's go, let's, let's, let's move on. Um, this one seems, seems a little bit trivial and I'll go through these quickly, but, uh, grazing policy. I think one thing that, um, where culture goes a little off the rails is not having a clear expectation on what it's okay to do during the meeting, right? So if you, folks like you and me who end up stuck there because we might be called upon by the Lord of the manor to provide one bit of data, it's not unusual, especially in a tech company, for somebody to start playing with their phone or sit, sit there and like, you know, mess with their, uh, their laptop. I mean, that's the thing. You sit in a room full of people and everybody's staring at their laptop doing what? Well, theoretically taking notes, Right. Well, I would bet that at least some fraction of those people are checking email, uh, looking at Facebook, mm-hmm. or doing their work. Now, ask yourself, like all the people that are in there, if it's a better use of their time for them to do their work than pay attention to you, something is not optimal. Either they need to not be in there at that time, or if, if you're going to be you know, tough about it, you should tell them, close your laptop. Right, and that's why I say grazing policy. It doesn't mean no phones. It doesn't mean no. Um, it means set, set up what the expectation S- is at the start. Set the expectation precisely, um, and I mean, you know, I, I do think that in a case like this, you have to be a little bit of a parent, right? And and again, for credibility's sake, I'm just a parent in the sense of saying, like, here, here's what the rules are. This is why we do it that way. And uh, I love you, but I kind of don't care what happens in any other meeting. Like this starts with me, dude. Like, and so here's how that works. (laughs) And that grazing policy, you could be like Mr. Hand, you know, and lock the door. You're on my time now. Um, There have been, I think this is a little dramatic, but there, I have definitely seen places where there's a basket by the door that you have to put your dingus in when you walk in. Um, When I worked at uh, Adaptive Path, Brian Mason uh, could say to six very powerful people in their industry, close your laptops, it's time for the weekly meeting. And nobody runs a meeting like Brian Mason runs a meeting. It runs like clockwork. A lot of this stuff is very inspired by working with him. But the grazing policy is the beginning of saying, well, first of all, I've shown you my credibility by putting out this purpose and this agenda. Grazing policy, just in the lightest way possible. Say, hey, look, for this meeting, let's say you say this. Hey, you know what? Anything goes. You know, you, you can sit there and eat a burrito. You can look at your computer. You could do yoga. I don't care. 
Okay, that's policy. Another grazing policy would be, uh, I prefer that you guys not bring your computers unless you really need them for one aspect of this. Just bring some paper. And then if people want to like say, no, that's not cool, well, I'll explain why. But this is my meeting. <laughs> you can't talk on the phone in here. I don't want you on Twitter during this meeting. And if this meeting that I'm running is so crummy that you have time to go play with Twitter, let's make that better by changing some of this. Let's make that a better meeting by doing things, as we'll see in a minute, like scheduling guests. Uh, number four, big one, edges. So many cultures of meetings, they start late, they finish late. They just happen wherever, whenever. And boy, I, that, that's, that's a recipe for crazy as far as I'm concerned. Right. And, it's, and the thing is, it's a, like a domino problem. Like if, if, if I, I, you know, I say to people, well, like what would happen if you decided from now on? The, the, the easy one is that my meeting will end on time. That's easy because you do in some ways control that if you run the meeting. You can always just say, okay, stop talking and leave. We're done. Mm -hmm. The much harder one is to start on time. Why? Because you don't have any control over when those people are going to trickle in. Right? And, and why is that a problem? Because everybody else's meetings just go whenever. They start whenever. They finish whenever. And then that has, you know, it's like, a, like I said, it's like a Gantt chart. It's just pushing out everything after it. And so anybody who had planned to go do something else from this time to that time, well, you said the meeting was going to be, you said it was a half hour meeting. Nobody ever has a half hour meeting. But if you had a half hour meeting and I knew I could be back at my desk at 11, 15, I would have planned my day a certain way versus knowing that this will just go whenever. So what do I do? I just don't plan my day now. I don't think about what I can get done. I don't make commitments to people. I don't make commitments to myself to be able to finish something in a day because I can't. Because I'm stuck in this big quicksand of time that you poured over my head. So to me, the, the, really, the really pro way to go is to say, if you can pull it off. And if you can't pull it off, don't worry about it. But if you can pull it off, say, here's the thing. My meetings begin on time. And that means it, whether you're here or not, we start. This meeting starts. If you're not here, you're eventually going to look like kind of a jerk. So what happens? Well, then that, that uh, you know, the uh, SVP with the uh, Porsche who's always talking on the phone and sending lots of emails just wanders in whenever. Well, you know, that's really problematic because that culture flows downhill. If, if, if people see that it's okay to do that for this powerful person, then everybody else is going to think that's not only okay, but that's how you get rewarded for things, acting like a jackass. Right. Well, to the extent possible, if you start on time and end on time, again, huge credibility. Because it shows you've taken it seriously. Each one of these things we've talked about so far might sound a little bit type A, but in each instance, it really is a way of saying, like, I'm the driver of this bus. I'm going to keep my hands on the wheel, and you're not allowed to just come up here and start hitting the accelerator when it suits you. Like, this is something I'm going to run. And so those edges become important. Those edges can also mean things like sticking to the agenda. Scheduling guests is a huge thing that I learned, uh, number five, I learned from Brian Mason. And it's a really propulsive way to run a meeting. And it gets us out of that thing where Dan is sitting there wondering why he's in the meeting. Mm -hmm. So you don't get into that thing where the entire IT department is sitting in a room when, you know, there's really only so many people that are needed for something at a time. I don't know if you guys have had this. It really does feel like you're holding court. Because, there, you know, a lot of meetings, there will be one person who is leading the meeting and probably the person who called the meeting in many instances. And there's really probably two to three other people who are needed Again, this varies, but, you know, go with me. There are maybe two to three other people who need to be there for 80 to 100% of the meeting. So, yeah, those folks need to be there the whole time. But are there people there who don't need to be there for the whole time? Well, how would you know if you don't have a purpose and an agenda? If you have a purpose and an agenda, you can now schedule people. How crazy is that? So your, your meeting starts at 10. You got 15 minutes of shucking and jiving. Go ahead, build it in. That's fine. This place is not without joy. 
Build in whatever you want. But the thing is, you say, Jim from finance is coming in a quarter after. He's going to talk for 10 minutes. That means I've told Jim ahead of time, Jim, we need you for 10 minutes at this time. We won't need you after that. And you have exactly 10 minutes to do this. When is the last time you saw that happen in a place and yeah, it right. actually worked? Because, oh my gosh, wow. You know, wow, I'm a hippie and I just want to, I want to sit around and talk about my feelings. Well, no. If you say to Jim, like, this is what we need. Here's the purpose. Here's the agenda. And here's how I want you to prepare. Now, if Jim can't do that, he should, he's going to tell you so. But you say to Jim, you come in, you start, whatever, at 10.15, and you need to be done by 10.25 because then uh, Joni from business development is going to come in and talk to us for 10 minutes and so forth. And you can see the MacGuffin or like the little trick here is that, first of all, that gives you, if you're good about it and you can stick to a schedule, that means that there's a propulsiveness. You're only going to have who needs to be there in there at the time and you've told them how to prepare and you have provided a way to guarantee that the meeting doesn't run long because that's the 10 minutes that they have. And now that is going to sound super bananas to right, a lot of people. Right, right, right. Because if you even think about that idea for one second, you're, you're going to crap your pants because you realize how out of control your meetings are. You could never even think of doing something like that. But, but imagine the respect that you would get from the people who work for you if you could try that, if you could pull that off. And then, then hue to the schedule that you've created something we'll get back to in a minute, if your meetings are running long all the time, if your meetings are running a lot past you know, where they should, or they start late, or they don't cover the things they're supposed to cover, or you space it, well, there's something to learn from that. You either need to schedule longer meetings or plan better. That's, I mean, what are the other options? You know, I mean, is Odin going to come down and, and you know, fix this for you? Um, the guest scheduling, I think, is very useful. And you know what? You, you don't have to schedule every second of it, but if you just say, for example... You know, from 10.15 to 10.30 is when we're going to need people here for this uh, status update, right. right? If that runs a little long, that's okay. But you know what? The first week, just give that a try. Number six, the timekeeper. The timekeeper, this sounds super anal, but there was a woman I used to work with, one of my, uh, a peer of mine, a colleague, who always ended up, she was like me, kind of a project manager. And she would take the most amazing notes and do the best timekeeping. And it was the single most valuable part of every single meeting was that she actually wrote down what people said and then would let people know when, what the time was. And so if you are scheduling people and you do have an agenda, it could be the person who runs the meeting that does it, but I think it's really valuable to have another person doing that. So, you know, the, the top person can stay focused on content and what's happening. And then somebody else gets to be kind of the bad cop and say, okay, you know, the person from uh, BizDev is coming in in two minutes, so could you wrap up? And the timekeeper also, the timekeeper could be slash note taker, I guess. But somebody who doesn't have a huge stake in it, but understands what's being discussed and they can articulate all that because then later on that person can also send out the to-do list. What? The to-do list? Yes, the to-do list. Because <laughs> that's part of the follow-up, number nine. Um, number seven, no rat holes. So when you're getting into some crazy implementation argument, take it offline. So feel empowered as the person who runs the meeting to keep focus, which is number eight, <laughs> by saying this is what we're here to talk about, right? Focus also means that if somebody comes up with the greatest idea in the world, be respectful and hear it out. But what we used to do, we used to call it the parking lot, right? You got a yellow legal pad or a whiteboard. And anytime somebody comes up with the best idea in the world, but it's not germane to that meeting, it goes in the parking lot. Other great idea? You know, I think in a lot of organizations, if you have an idea, you become a volunteer. And that's how it should be. If you think this thing's a great idea, then why don't you lead the charge on that? right? If you give us an idea for something that's due tomorrow, well, that's really useful last year. 
We could have used that hmm. last year. Right. That's not what this meeting is about. If you want that to be better next year and you want to have uh, Joni's birthday party at a different TGI Fridays, well, then guess what? You're now leading the committee. Please put it on your calendar that that starts next October. Right? That's focus. Focus means that we remember why we're here constantly, come back to the purpose and the agenda. Do you see how these kind of lock together? You don't have to do all of them, but if, if you were to try a handful of these, it, it would help hugely. The focus problem also, I mean, it's just, it's not unusual. If you've gotten loosey-goosey about any of these things, it's not unusual for meetings to wander off. One reason they can run long is you wander off into all of these tangents uh, or all of these things that could be discussed better somewhere else that get you away from my definition of a meeting, which is the right people for the right problem are in a room together to figure out what they need to do to get back to work, right? So it's, it, we're not there to do our work. We're there to figure out what the barriers are. And I guess scrums could address that, right? Mm -hmm. you, you say what you're working on. You tell me, how do you define, well, scrum, what's the other word? Like a stand-up meeting, what are, what are, what's the basic idea of um, that kind of a meeting? Like agile meetings? I'm trying or? to avoid, yes, I'm trying to avoid getting into the nomenclature, but I, I know some companies have had a lot of success with a very fast morning meeting that has really well-described rules. Sprint planning. But a scrum, isn't a scrum usually... I don't know, I don't know anything about scrum. The word is repulsive. Well, let's me. call it whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll call it a uh, time drop. You okay. come in in the morning and there's a 15-minute meeting where everyone stands up. They say what they're working on. They say uh, what they'll need help with, what the barriers are. And it gives every, I don't know if this is exactly accurate, but I think this is not a terrible idea on a small team, especially, you know, it's like, uh, we don't need to be having these meetings all day long. We need to identify the barriers and then do what we need to do to remove them anyway. Um, but that gives you a lot of focus. And again, the old joke, you know, stand up meeting or standing meeting that, you know, <laughs> some people have tried to do this. I think it's a little silly, but kind of funny. What if you actually did have to stand up during the meeting? I mean, not if you have a disability, I guess. Professor X gets to sit title, but you, um, focus almost done. Number nine, follow up, huge credibility builder. If you talked about anything important in the meeting, there should be follow up on it. If you didn't talk about anything important in the meeting, you should not be allowed to call meetings anymore. At the end of the meeting, when I was a project manager, one of the few things I got right when I was the, uh, not the timekeeper, but the note taker, um, I had my own little code I had come up with. I type and put little brackets for to do's. And I had this little nomenclature I came up with that probably lots of other people have done where, uh, God, this is so nerdy, but like at the beginning of a line, brackets with a space inside meant somebody's to do. After that, in parentheses, would be who's responsible for it, when it's due, and then an articulation of the task. You follow? So basically, um, and you could do that however it works for you, what sorts best. But that means at the end of the meeting, I would say to everybody in the room, okay, let's wrap up. Here's what I've got, you know? Um, Sally is going to uh, find the latest copy of the Henderson report and give it back to us by next week. Zeke is going to print out uh, the excels from this thing and bring it in. You know, um, Joey, Jim, Bob, Bob is going to order barbecue, for whatever. And then you know what I do before they've left the room? I email that list of everybody's tasks to everybody. I send the notes, put the tasks at the top of the email, right? And then you mail that out. And guess what the second part of that is? <laughs> when the meeting starts next time, you start with those follow-up items. Are any of these still alive? Are any of these dead? What got done? What didn't get done? And then on a meta level, why didn't that happen maybe? Like, do, is there anything we need to be doing differently? You know, if you've got something, believe me, this happens. If you've got something that keeps coming up over and over and over in a meeting and it never gets done, it's never going to get done. Like we said, you can tell something is an actual priority when it has a budget, a deadline, and one person who's empowered to take care about it, take care of it and like care about it. 
If it doesn't have that, then why bother? But if you're having these meetings where there actually is something that hasn't been done over and over for more than three weeks, I think it's time to reboot your idea of what a to-do list item is because that should be really off of there. Follow-up is huge though because follow-up means that you can count on this meeting to be someplace where actual things that matter happen because then things will happen when we're not in the meeting. We will do things to make sure that these meetings are valuable such that when we come back, we'll be able to see whether things have progressed. You know, it's sometimes you get into meetings and everybody has a lot of coffee and they got a lot of big ideas and then they come back a week later and have the same meeting. And really it's just different coffee. (laughs) So I think the follow-up helps in finally consistency. Um, Even if you pick one or two of these, try to apply them consistently because people are going to give you a lot of pushback on any of these. But even if you pick just a couple, um, I, I'm going to suggest three in particular, but I think there's, there are, whatever you pick that you think might be useful, talk to your team about it first and say, look, I think we can make these meetings better um, by having a schedule for them. Um, I'm going to commit to sending, you know, sending out the purpose and agenda uh, at least a day before, and I'm going to tell you guys what, I, what I'd like you to do. And here's the thing. I want you guys from now, from now on, I want you to know that like, at any time you can come to me and you can tell me what you want to do to make the meeting better Or, you know what, you can tell me what I could be doing to make the meeting better. Um, Michael Johnson uh, from Pixar, Dr. Wave, one time when I was visiting there, he said something that was, seemed really smart to me. He said that he thinks the thing that distinguishes Pixar from a lot of other places is, first of all, that everybody at Pixar gives great notes. They're able to, there's a culture there, according to him, um, that it's okay to tell people what's going to make this better. Like there, we talked about like the Incredibles and how they cut out an entire character and save 10 minutes in the movie. Right. Like that came from a note, but yes, they give great notes. But what Michael says at Pixar, they give great, they give the right notes at the right time. Right. So that person who had this wonderful idea for something that's due tomorrow, that's not a great note at a great time. Like we can't do anything about that now. Do you know what I mean? But that, to me, like saying to somebody, like, the door is open. I'm not going to take it personally. If you come in here and, and you know, <laughs> in a professional way, tell me what you'd like to do differently. Saying this meeting sucks does not help. So, yes, tell me. But also then, you know what? what? What can you do to make this better? Could you shut off your goddamn computer for a few minutes like a gentleman and sit here and listen? And you know what? If you think your time was wasted, let's talk about that. And let's talk about how to make it better, right? And that's part of the problem with these standing meetings is they just, as my poetry teacher used to say, he said this about one of my poems once and it broke my heart. There's no need, there's no reason for this to end. It might as well just go on forever and ever. <laughs> broke my heart. He also, you know, he wrote in the margins of my first paper, my Kurt Vonnegut paper. He said, isn't this part curiously like whipping a dead mule with misplaced rhetoric? Wow. Yeah. He's my sponsor. I love that guy. <laughs> um, okay. So I'm going to give you three of these to try again. Don't do uh, actually four. Um, don't, don't do these things that they're going to get you fired, but Take a minute to ask why they'd get you fired. Isn't that nuts? You know, if you keep batteries in the smoke alarm, does that make you a dick? I mean, if you're really going to try and do something, not to do a power grab, but to actually demonstrably change the quality of what you're doing, if that is like off the table where you work, I feel badly for you. That's all I'll say. That's all I'm going to say about that. So here's four quick wins. These ones I think are super important and are either worth the trouble and pain of pissing people off or are not that hard to do. Number one is the agenda. I think having, uh, having that agenda and, you know, tacitly the purpose, sending that out ahead of time, huge credibility builder, and it's on you, right? You're the meeting caller. This is, not, this is partly about people who go to meetings, but it's really about people who call meetings and being open to the idea that there's an improvement opportunity. So yes, send out an agenda. If you can pull it off, number two, try and have those edges. 
at least decide that you're going to end on time. See how that goes. But if you, know, if you can't end the meeting on time, then something's not right. Some, you're not saying a true thing there. Three, the grazing policy. It seems like a weird one, but you know, establish for the people in the room that you think all of their time is valuable, and in an ideal world, they would each behave as though everybody else's time were valuable. You can't make that up. You can't just cut that from whole cloth and act like it's going to be real. It has to be something that's shown and proven rather than just said. So anyway, the grazing policy, it might be really controversial, which is very interesting. If it's very controversial, then doesn't that sound like an interesting conversation? Mm-hmm. Like, why is it not okay to talk about whether we can use our phone during a meeting? Well, oh, because, you know, I'm a hippie. Well, then you're, you're a hippie inside of an organization that has fundamental communication skills. And finally, the transitive follow-up. This is, again, all on you as the meeting leader. Get out there and make sure that what people say is getting captured and accomplished. If it's not getting captured, you need to take better notes. If it's not getting accomplished, you need to either find out why it's not valuable to do or why people are maybe not finding it valuable or just simply why it's not happening. But to wrap up, um, all of these things lead to some, and I'm sorry, it's a list. I hate when I do this. But to me, these are all credibility builders. Um, If you feel like your stuff is getting out of control, these are all a great way to show respect at scale which is something that we can all, I think, always afford to do. Um, And, you know, again, back to the old pattern. It starts with you, first-person transitive. If you see a piece of trash, pick it up. If you can make the meeting better, make it better. If you can make it shorter than longer, make it shorter. That's what she said. (laughs) Trying to keep keep it to 130. Sorry about that. It's all right. Yeah. Do you you miss them, don't you? You miss the meetings. A chance to get in there, have some coffee. No, I don't. I don't miss them. Yeah. Bagels. It's those, I bet you don't like those bagels. Just full of glutens. Yeah. I don't miss it. Yeah, I don't miss that. Yeah. I don't miss that. Hmm. Want to talk about Adventure Time in the After Dark? I can't. I can't do the After Dark. Mm. We're too, I, got, I don't have enough time before quit. I, get, I still eat something. It's 2 p.m. I haven't eaten anything today. Oh, my God. It's Friday. <gasps> yeah, it's not Tuesday. Isn't that I weird? I thought it was Tuesday. Oh, my God. Isn't sleeping. that weird? It's Sleeping Beauty. I need to start drinking. Ugh. You, do, you, know you do look like a little, just like a little angel when you sleep. Oh, you look like a baby. I like your hair like that. <laughs> okay, you want to button this up? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Mm. I love you. Love you too, Merlin Man. <laughs>